Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Welcome to a very special holiday edition, Halloween edition of the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Sean Palmer and Seth Kamins. Happy Halloween, everybody. So, Seth, before we start, what was Jake? Everybody's trying to figure out what was Jake dressed as for his Halloween costume tonight. For Jake's first, I mean, he he was awake. Uh, first of all. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, he was awake for last year's Halloween, but he was like two months old. So he really didn't have the same impact. He was Superman then. Today, he decided, his, his mother uh, actually worked from home and led him to the parade. And he, he did, she chose what I think fit her very well, and he was adorable. Otherwise known as Jake the Duck. So he had a big yellow <laughs> duck out it was great. And Wait, we already have a call. Whoa, we have a call. Okay, so finish up. Jake the Duck. Jake the Duck. Jake the Duck. First time, first time that he appears, and a big success, I would, I would say. Yeah, we we got a lot of candy. I don't know what he, what, I don't know what he got out of it, except seeing a lot of like scary looking clowns. But it was fun for everybody, and he just woke up from a nap. So hopefully he's been good the last couple of weeks. Hopefully he'll be good tonight. So before we get to the call, there was something, there was a saying that I saw on Facebook today, which I think is very apropos. It said, only in New York City where somebody could wear a Halloween costume and in another part of the city, that could be their normal attire. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Okay. So we're going to get to the NFL trade deadline, which happened today, which was the most exciting NFL trade deadline I can ever remember. We had, and especially the way that the Browns once again screwed it up. We will get to the World Series, which I know Seth believes is very exciting, and he's loving this, and he thinks it may be the best World Series of all time. And I can't I stand it. You, I, I, I think wait, you, I, I think it's you, a what? One of the most exciting World Series of all time. No, you said one of the best World Series of all time. I never said that. Okay. Okay. I don't believe it's been good at all. I think it's been awful. But we'll get to that in a second. And then we have the college football playoff, which the first rankings are coming out tonight. And we had major, major upsets on, on Saturday. But first, we'll take the caller because I don't know who you are and you may have the record for the earliest call, two, one and a half minutes into the show. So, caller, identify yourself first, and then what can we help you with on this Halloween? First of all, what did you dress up as? It's, it's very important for listeners to know. 
Well, first of all, uh, first of all, I think I'm a little bit too old to dress up. Number one. Uh, number two, I'm a first-time caller, so that's probably why you don't know who I am. But I just, I, I did Excellent. find out about your show, so I thought I'd give a call. Uh, third, how do so you think this has been we, awful? I think it's been fantastic. Wait, wait, do you, I need a name first. Your name, oh, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Lou from Jersey. Okay, Lou. So yes. let's start with the MLB. Let's start with the World Series. So you tell me why you like the World Series this year, and then I will tell you why I do not, because I do not. I'm the first one to say it. Please go ahead. I mean, this has been a, this has been a total surprise of a World Series so far. I mean, it wasn't anything I expected. I mean, nonstop hitting and home runs going out of the ballpark. I mean, it hasn't been it hasn't been dull. It hasn't been lackluster. Like you know, where you see again, it's like nothing, nothing going into like uh, the seventh thing, Like nothing's happening. Where every almost every minute there is something happening. Every pitch of the game. I mean, this has really been keeping on the edge of everybody's seat. Okay, and I can take that, and I can. I can work with that, okay? Okay. I am a purist. Uh, I am a person I am a person that would prefer a one nothing John Smoltz Jack Morris over John Smoltz twelve innings of perfect pitching and timely hitting than it would be for nine home runs and a four and a half hour game. That's my preference. I prefer okay. a two-to-one game that has great pitching and great defense. I prefer that. I can see why some, and trust me, my Facebook is littered with this, that love 13 to 12 games. I can see why. Because in the age that we live in, in the age of let's play video games and run up the score, and we love offense, I can see why that would be appealing, but you get me on the same in any other sport, and I'm the same person. I like a one nothing hockey game. I don't want a, a 7-6 hockey game. I don't want a 45-38 to 38 football game, and I don't, want a hundred, I don't want an NBA All-Star game. I want defense play. I want pitching. It's part of the game, and you are basically so taking out – agreed. But pitching is part of the game, and there is no pitching. Can you and I agree that the pitching, there has been none? Aside Just from about. Clayton Kershaw's first game, there's been almost no good pitching in this series? Yeah, it's true, too. I mean, you know, but in the, but in the year when he had the most home runs in baseball history, I'm not surprised. Agreed. I'm not saying I'm surprised either, but that doesn't make it – any better for me. That may be great now, for you and and great for Seth and great for a lot of other people, and I appreciate that. You guys are loving the World Series, and quite frankly, if that brings people back to baseball, I love it because I'm a baseball fan. So if there are more people attracted to this, great. That just doesn't mean I have to like it. I think it does. And see, for, and for me, I'm, I'm, close, I'm closer to Lou because I'm not a baseball purist. Um, to me, baseball, I, I, don't, I find watching baseball regular season agonizing. I always do watch the playoffs, and I certainly follow it hard enough. But, the, you know, you have a kind of an interesting combination where, you, again, you had Kershaw, who was brilliant in game one. And then you mm-hmm. had the game two come back with Houston. You had game five, which was just an all 
world, whatever you want to cluster beep or whatever you want to call it. And it, the ratings have been good. The games have been exciting. Again, whether you enjoy them or not, Sean, you can't deny they've been exciting. Um, no, I agree so, with yeah. you. I agree. But is that the, last, this that, is where I disagree so, with you, though, about I have never said this is one of the best played World Series of all time. I said this has been one of the no, worst. No, that's not what I, I mean, said. Game, you, that was exactly what you said to start it with. I, no, I said the best the, World Series. The best. I didn't say best played. I said, I said best. I, I didn't say best played. Right. Well, you're splitting hairs. It's exciting. Yeah, it has been extremely exciting. Has it been? Would I put it with the? Apparently, Jake agrees. Would I put it with? You know, some of the other series that we've seen with the ninety. You know, you mentioned the Braves, uh, Twins of '91, or even or the Arizona you know, Yankees of '01, or or. Oh, uh, you have to go year. there, man. No. Uh. no, dude, I'm a Yankee fan. It's not like I get any enjoyment. Thank God. But. I mean, look, it was a great series. So, I mean, you know, so to me, anything that brings excitement to baseball, I'm happy with. And, look, I hope tonight is not a 13-12 game. Because, number one, I can't stay until 2 a.m. again. And, number two, right. you know, it would be, I think, to me, you know, to, I mean, I'm hoping Houston wins this. Although a game seven, anything, if you're a sports fan, is the best thing in the world. I mean, I'd love, kind of like to see Verlander close this thing out just because of the career he's now, had and the way that he could do that. I don't think so. Seth, you know, last week we did talk about the ratings, and, and this week we're talking about it as well. You know what? You were right. Okay, Sunday night baseball, that game had better ratings than the Sunday night football game. It is the most watched telecast. Most, hey, I admit when I'm wrong. And I thought that every single year, the football, the football, Sunday or Monday night, has beaten the baseball every year. Well, you I got think two it's factors like in. Or ten. You have to figure. You gotta oh. have two factors in this, uh, sir. Number one, you know we're at game six, and you know game five, rather, and that's when it gets to get more intense. And more interesting is the series on. And two, with all the backlash football's been getting, you know, they've been turning away from all that. So naturally, baseball, uh, the World Series, had an advantage over that as well this year. Uh, I don't disagree with you. Last week, I said that I would check on those for this week. I did not think that the football would lose to the baseball, and it did. I did. And that Sunday night game was the most watched event since the Super Bowl. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. I, 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 I hand it to Fox. Fox will win. I handed to Seth. He told me last week that that would happen. I didn't believe it. I, I didn't. I, I, I'm surprised. I and um, let me ask you, you this, the... Last night, I equate game six to the Seattle Texans game the other night. Okay, a very exciting game. A very exciting football game that went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But I'll tell you, quite frankly, two parts of that of a football team were not utilized in that entire game, special teams and defense. They just weren't there. And Jake agrees with me on this one. So uh, Jake is, I get what you're saying. My apologies. My apologies. Jake just tried to swallow a quarter. Awesome. <laughs> And I get Lou. I get what you're saying. I just don't find it the same way. And for for, right. for baseball fans, 
if you want more baseball fans, this is the type of game that you get. No question about it. So let me ask you, tonight, who wins? Dodgers. And we'll see a game seven tomorrow night. Okay. So game seven play, tomorrow night. Want to put more in the words of Jack Want to put more in the words of Jack Buck? We'll see you tomorrow night. Oh boy. I uh, agree with Kirby, you. And it would Kirby be, Puckett is smiling. Uh, it will be very it. interesting because Dave Roberts has said continuously that Clayton Kershaw would not pitch in three games, would not start three games. If they are in a game seven tomorrow night, Kershaw on three days rest, I find it very, very difficult that Clayton doesn't take the, doesn't take the ball. I, I, I just do. Okay, Lou, thank you so much for calling. Call back some other, another week. We love having you, and we're going to move on to something else. Thanks again. All right, thank you. Okay, so, again, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. Again, Lou wins the prize for the earliest caller, less than 90 <laughs> seconds at the start of the show. He calls in on a very happy Halloween. So, Seth, what is your prediction for tonight? Pain. Lots of pain. Uh, <laughs> nice. Well played. Well played. Um, I th- I, look, I picked Houston in six before the series. I see no reason to change it. Um, the thing that has surprised me so much about the series is not that Houston has been able to beat their, hit the starters. I've been shocked at the success they've had against the bullpen. Um, Agreed. And, you know, Jensen has, been, has let up, I think, a run in all three outings. And I, I think Verlander's been – Verlander was pretty, it was pretty good in game two, even though they lost. Um, or they, or they, won two, they won game two. I'm sorry. They came, that was the game they came back in. Uh, I think it ends tonight. I think 50 years of Houston frustration ends with uh, – although I have no idea who will close it. Um, I'm assuming it will be McCullers. Because I think more or Morton, whoever is not starting Game Seven, the potential Game Seven, I forget which one it is. And well, I like. I like here's, here's a better question: Why doesn't Verlander close it? He may very well. Depends. You know, look, the way this Houston offense is hitting, they're going to get, and the, the lack of faith that anyone can have in the in, in, in Houston's bullpen. I mean, Giles really does remind me of how Armando Benitez felt every time he pitched against the Yankees. That there was no <laughs> doubt that he was going to let up, that he was going to let up at least one run. So, you know, this is Verlander has been pitching for this for his whole career. I would give him as much leeway as possible, especially with a lead. As would I. The difference is, again, we go back to the National League Park, my friend, where it means that the pitcher does bat. And that is a very, very important thing in tonight's game. And the reasoning is you can't hide the pitcher. If you want nope. to get some offense and you come up in the ninth spot, you, A.J. Hinch has to weigh the importance of getting that run or losing Verlander or losing whoever he is. So as I have said numerous times before, I enjoy the National League game a lot more. Um, this goes back to low-scoring uh, strategy, pitching, importance, and 
I think the Dodgers win tonight, and I love the decision that Roberts has to make tomorrow. I, 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 I can't see Kershaw not taking the hill. And if he does not take the hill, he'll be in in the third inning. He'll pull a Pedro. He'll pitch, he'll pitch innings three through oh, eight. Oh, yeah, he will. If, I, I, I do Well, I don't think he will start. I do agree that he will be available to pitch for several innings. For several innings on, on. Have you ever seen a pitcher go game five, game seven? No. Did Schilling do it in 2001? I'm going to go look that up, but I, I tend to doubt it because – So do I. I, I, I tend to da- – hold on. So, 2001 World Series, game five. I tend to doubt it. Uh, okay, game five. This, again, baseball reference. First of all, they lost game five, so I don't think he pitched. Uh, he did not. Well, they, lost Miguel Baptista. The, they lost one of the games. They each won two games. So I'm assuming one of them, maybe it was Johnson, pitched one, four, and seven. Well, game um, four, Schilling did pitch, but they lost in the ninth. They lost in the okay. tenth. Excuse me. They lost in the tenth. So game seven was pitched by – hold on. Game seven was pitched was by Schilling. And, and, Schilling. and Johnson came out of the bullpen. Yes. Right. So Johnson six Johnson was, started was, was Johnson. Johnson so was also a Schilling went game nature beyond belief. Yeah, so Schilling went game four, and then four days later went game seven. So you're looking at uh, Kershaw going. Kershaw went in game five, which was Sunday night, and tomorrow would be Wednesday. So he'd only be three days rest, not four. Do you remember what inning Kershaw came out? Was, like I, I don't recall. I wonder how many pitches he pitched. Because we know he didn't pitch a lot. Um, he pitched he, – he was over 90. He pitched a decent amount. Okay, I'm going to look that up. We, I mean, we know we, he didn't pitch very much in game, four, in game one. So game five right. – he pitched. I have. I, I just want to get the stats here, just to be accurate. Uh, Kershaw. Where's the pitching stuff? Here we go. Okay, so Kershaw pitched 94 pitches. Very well done. He said about 90, so that was well done. So 94 pitches in game five, 83 pitches in game one. Look, I think I think he's your horse. I think they're going with him. I don't think it's Did any different. Bring him in the third. Yeah, I think they. I, let me put it this way. If you're the manager and you're paying a pitcher $31 million. I would start him. And he's your guy, right? So they're starting – who are they starting tonight? They're starting, Dar- they're starting Darvish tonight, Hill. right? No, they're starting, Hill. So, they're starting Hill tonight. They're starting Hill tonight, so they're going to start Darvish tomorrow. Okay. Well, then I understand. Okay. So Darvish is the $20 million pitcher in, in – and then you have Kershaw in the bullpen. It's not, it's not a bad deal. I, I really thought that Darvish would start tonight. But, okay. So, anyway, so I think, that, I think that we see a game seven. I think that the Dodgers do take it. And I think a lot of it is based on the National League game. 
I really do. I think Verland, it's going to come to a time in the, in the sixth or seventh inning where you have Verlander and up at the plate, and you're going to wonder, do they, do they pinch it for him or not? So, okay, so breaking news here. I know we break a lot of news here. But the, <laughs> the CF, the, the college football playoff poll just came out. Yep. Are you surprised that Georgia is number one? No, it's, it's, it's actually, it's completely right. Because Georgia, okay. Georgia went one at Notre Dame, which yes. ranks number three. Georgia yes. beat Florida 52 to, 42 to 7. Georgia's yes. had better wins than Alabama. The only real impressive win Alabama has had, I believe, is against, uh, is against Florida State, who's currently 3 and 2 and 5 and lost by, 30, by 32 to Boston College. And so, only goes in as a 2.5 point favorite over the Syracuse Orange in Florida State. <laughs> Which kind of says it all. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. Georgia, Alabama, two, Notre Dame, three, Clemson, four, Oklahoma, five, Ohio State, six. Um, I'm actually okay with this. Uh, Notre Dame has had some pretty damn impressive wins, and they gonna, if they if they if they go eleven and one, they're they're in the playoff. Their schedule is good enough well, we, that it'll warrant it. They've beaten USC. They, they've beaten Michigan State, both of those games convincingly. They've lost by one point to the number one team in the country. Um, and they also still have to play my – at least – I'm thinking off the top of my head, they have to play Stanford and they have to play Miami, who's ranked number 10 and undefeated. Yep. So, yeah, it we, is a legitimate look, Seth, we, we, talk, we talked about this last week. Your, your view is that they will not go undefeated. And thus well, they, they will they not have be in the tournament with, with a – Right, with a two-loss team. That, that yeah. is what you no, stated last week. Yes, no team. To me, you, you are, I doubt you will ever see a team with two losses. I just really, okay. I, I'd be surprised. Um, so pick the loss. Do you, you think it's Miami or you think it's Stanford? I think it's Stanford. Where, where do I they lose? Stanford. They lose to Stanford. Okay. Um, Stanford is Stanford the same at home? every year. I believe it's at Stanford, but I could be wrong. I am not in front of my computer tonight. Um, I got to keep okay. the little dude a little bit more occupied today. So, but Stanford is playing, you know, they, is playing well again. They always seem to start off slow and just get better and better as the year goes on. They have the second best running back, second or third best running back in the country in Bryce Love. And to be honest, in a coaching match, I would take David Schoen. Um, Miami is undefeated, but I mean, no, Miami really hasn't beaten anybody. Uh, the Miami Florida State game is, I mean, good lord, between Miami Florida between, I mean, it's just, it is, it's kind of what Florida State was to Miami several years ago, where where I mean where Miami was a footnote and Florida State was playing for national for national titles. Uh, Florida State's a joke this year; it won't last. But you know, for this year, they just they've just fallen apart since DeAndre Francis got hurt in the first game of the season. Um, well, we talked about the big, we talked about the the Big Ten last week, and we knew that one of the big matchups was coming up this week. Be well, last week being Penn State versus Ohio State, and Penn State had the game in hand. Now, granted, yeah. 
They didn't play very well, but they had the game in hand in the first half. And Ohio State comes roaring back. And you said it. You, you said the Big Ten would, would pretty much decimate each other. And that's exactly what we had last week, Penn State's undefeated season going down the drain. Yeah, and here, but again, here is the situation. Penn State, if Penn State can win out, which is a distinct possibility, um, Ohio State, it's, it's, it's really interesting because Michigan has been down, it's just not been strong. It's not a strong team. So really, if you have, you have Ohio State 7-1, Penn State 7-1, Wisconsin 8-0, Wisconsin's schedule has been so bad. I'm not sure I couldn't pick 10, uh, 50 people from my from my uh, apartment complex and go six and two against their schedule. It's been horrendous. So that's why they're eight and zero and they're ranked number nine behind six five other teams with a loss. Six other teams with a loss. Um, but Wisconsin will play in the Big Ten Championship game, which will be the only difficult team they have, whether it's Ohio State or Penn State. I don't know. We don't know yet. But if Penn State should lose on the road by a point at Ohio State, it's not a, it's not a bad loss. And I just, as a Maryland alum, I detest Penn State. But I can't this, – this certainly doesn't preclude them from going 11-1 and potentially making – the uh, the BCS it just doesn't. Okay, I mean, look, you're you're the you're the expert on this. Certainly not me. Uh, I take I take my lead from you. Uh, I am very much looking forward to a Syracuse game this week against Florida State, in which I don't think I've ever said that. So uh, good for me. Only in basketball. Well, seriously, I mean, look, Florida. The good thing about Syracuse is. You don't really it, – it, it's kind of like Maryland football. You get happy when they have good seasons, but you don't really expect really good seasons. So, here, they're on the upswing. They face a Florida State team that's on the downswing. Yay! Let's take it. Let, let's, let's, let's do something good. So, uh, so, we'll see what happens. But hopefully this will be uh, one of those games where they actually do something well and, and they come to play and they have a shot at it. I mean, they – they legitimately should have a shot, so we'll see. Uh, yes, they should. We'll see how that plays out. But um, we need okay. to, we need to talk a little bit about what happened before we jump to the NFL. I think we need to talk a little bit about what happened down in Gainesville. Is that not one of the stranger things you've ever seen? With the fire, the fact that the coach got fired. No, but everything Why? with the death threats that they can't find anything about. It just, it's well, so, so, it seems so strange. Okay. So is the strange part that, okay. So where, where do you find the strangeness in this? Now I, I'm open to strange. I mean, obviously it's Halloween, so I'm very much open to something a little strange, but what do you find so strange? That there were death threats against his family and players that he, he was commenting on, and nobody could find any information on them? Well, who told okay, you so I would mean, it be the... You don't find that weird? Hold on, Seth. Would it be the first time that's, that somebody's lied? Why would, but why would, would somebody fir- lie about this? Would it be the first time that somebody stretched the truth a little bit? 
like they just made yeah. something up even in wait even in the, even in the spur of the moment somebody was somebody just wanted to get out of the conversation and they made something up and then you double down on it and you hope that nobody does their due diligence and figures this out i got a feeling that's kind of what happens here i i don't think it's a matter of um somebody saying well it really did happen it really didn't happen i think uh, look and i don't know any more than you do but my 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 thought process is he said something somebody went and somebody thought well let me go check on that he didn't think anybody was going to go check on that and here we are that's my thought process so you don't find it weird I find it incredibly weird. I find it incredibly weird that somebody would use that as, as a concept that somebody made a death threat. Am, do I find it weird, however, that after that he was fired? No. I don't find it weird that he was fired because it didn't happen. Do you find that weird? I find it didn't it happen. I don't find very, it weird. I find it a very strange catalyst. I, I I just never heard of anything like that, and I guess look, this is a guy who is a he's a Midwest, you know, Colorado coming from Colorado State. His you know as an right. offensive guru, and then we see that, and maybe this was just a, a bigger spotlight that he wanted, and he kind of prefers more right. of the obscurity. I, I don't know. So so we talk. So you're just saying that if he elaborated on something that didn't didn't happen. This is this is the first time you're hearing about this. A guy named George O'Leary did the exact same thing. He elaborated on something. He said he got did a he degree el- when he didn't get the degree. But he went, and then he got caught in the lie. And again, it I believe it's not the lie that did Jack, Jim McElvain it. I think it's that he got caught in it, and that he covered it up, oh. and then he doubled down on it. But I guess to me, the O'Leary, while I'm not advocating it, A, should have been caught in vetting initially. And B, it was while he was trying to get a job. McElvain no, he had, had gotten the job. job. Well, yeah, but it was – yes, I understand that. But he was trying to get the job when he lied about it. Okay. McElvain had the job, was while not on the hot seat, I don't think – was certainly not it was doing okay. I mean they had won two SEC East titles, although you know, he was brought in as an offensive guy and their offense to be blunt has been terrible since he came in. But he had yep. you know, he was doing okay. I don't think they were gonna give him a, a long term security, but or maybe they did extend him like a year or something, actually. I think they did. So he wasn't really in why are you like why are you making these ridiculous comments I just I don't I don't understand it. You're not trying. You don't gain anything by it. You're not trying to get something because of it. What are you? What's the thought process behind it? Okay, I don't so understand. Without no, without knowing the thought process, my take is he got caught in the lies. He was looking to deflect. He said something that would deflect. Then in the age of today, somebody went and looked it up. And then 
Oh my God! What a problem! Somebody looked it up, and we have it. We have a problem because now yeah, you've you lied. By you deflect by saying there have been death threats. What kind you of deflect a, by saying? You want to know what that is? That's a deflection that says that my that my uh, what am I saying? My attention and my players' attention weren't on the game last week as much as they were their personal lives because of these death threats, and that's why we didn't play very well. That's exactly how it was situated. I don't think he just came out and said we had death threats. I think he came out as a, as a response to a question. And if it came out as a response to a question, that's a deflection technique. Here's an excuse. I'm on the hot seat. Don't tell me he wasn't on the hot seat. He was. It's Florida. He was barely. He had just lost. He, two, he had just lost. He was three and three in Florida. That's a hot seat. Now they just won two SEC titles. I, he just got. Uh, he was not in the hot seat. I mean, okay. he, they, you know, I don't think he was. You know, he's certainly not during, at a minimum, it wouldn't have been during the year. He wasn't in a Butch Jones position or someone along those lines, or Kevin Sumlin was last year, where it was any day. I mean, Butch Jones has been, you know, has been a disaster at Tennessee. There's no other way to put it. You know, that they could fire at any point. It would make sense. I don't think you can fire a guy who's won two division titles in the middle of the year just because he's having a bad year. I, I, I just don't see it. At the end of the year, maybe. But I don't, it wasn't a necessity. It wasn't an immediate necessity to fix. Okay, fair enough. Now, I want to move on to something else because you just reminded me of something. And we're going back a little bit to baseball. That Joe, you talk about craziness, right? You talk about craziness and the firing of Jim McElwain, even in the, in the middle of the season. Joe Girardi may have the answer to a trivia question very soon. I don't think we're <laughs> I, on can I, can I, the, can I guess the trivia question? Oh, please, I believe I told you it. So let's see if you can guess it. I don't think he told it to me. I think we had t- – who is the only coach to be fired in both leagues after winning manager of the year in both leagues? In the same season. In the same season. Who is the only manager to be ma- to be fired the the winter of the po- the winter of the year that they win manager of the year twice? Look, Johnny Keane was manager of the year for the St. Louis Card for the sorry Yogi Berra was the manager of the year for the 1964 Yankees. He got fired, yep. and Johnny Keene take, took over. That was the only time that I, that I recall, maybe Billy Martin did it too, but I don't remember, that a manager of the year was fired in the offseason after he made the playoffs and was manager of the year. Girardi had that you, happen when he was in Florida with Jeff Loria. Now, I think he wins manager of the year again for what he did with the Yankees. I know Houston – you're going to get a lot of sentiment. Oh, yeah. You're going to get a lot. It still boggles my mind that Houston is in the American League. 
you're going to get a lot of sentiment for A.J. Hinch. But Houston had a lot more talent than the Yankees did, particularly at the beginning of the year. I think that Girardi should, and trust me, me saying that the Yankees should win anything uh, takes a lot out of me, that Joe Girardi should win the manager of the year in the American League, and he got fired again. So before we move on to the NFL trade deadline, and before the Yankees name their next manager, Seth Kamen's the Yankee fan. Reach into your crystal ball and tell me three members of the fraternity, one of which will be the next manager of your New York Yankees. Well, before we even get to that, do you know the, the ultimate irony about the Johnny Keene story? Johnny Keene was hired yeah, that he... before the World Series in which he's coaching the Cardinals against the Yankees. Yep. And, and then beat he, him. Then he was a disaster. And beat him in seven. And he was a disaster with the Yankees and started the Yankees slide from 64 to 76. 65 yep. to 76. Yep. Okay. The three coach, the three managers that I, I think they look at. Jerry Hairston Jr. Al Padrique. I don't see Dusty. Alex Cora's gone. I guess Rob Thompson, although I am not overly big on it. I don't see them going for Matt. I don't see them. I don't see them doing a retread. I don't think. Um, I I don't see Dusty Baker. I don't see them trying to get Mattingly. You know, I don't. I really have no major feel, but knowing Cashman as well, not that I know Cashman that well, but Cashman is going to want, I think Cashman is going to want someone who can, who can a better, someone who's better relates to the players than Girardi. Cause that's always been the issue that Girardi had rough, you know, had difficult relationships with both the front office and at times with players. You know, he, he may have been a manager for a different era. And would have fit in better then. Although he did, for the most part, I thought a pretty good job with the Yankees. Um, those would probably be my three. I really have no feel. Well, the first two were, were out of. Well, the first two were completely out of left field for me. I mean, Pedrique <laughs> hasn't been mentioned in any circle. Neither has Harrison Jr. So, I wow. figured you'd enjoy those. Uh, and, a, I'm actually surprised that you mentioned them, like that you knew who they were. That's number <laughs> one and number two. Well, I mean, look, it says a lot that you've done some research or somebody fed you some really good names. Either way, perfectly fine with me. But I'm rather impressed by that. And those are two <laughs> I names have that Sean's, I had. I rendered Sean speechless on baseball. It's a once every well, five year were, occurrence. Well, you rendered me speechless because I'm kind of going, those guys aren't getting the job. <laughs> but then but then you look at it and who you is? wonder who it and one guy that and I know you say you don't you don't see it as a retread job. But I'd like to point out one guy that could be a retread. And the reason I say this is because 
Girardi's been fired, but they haven't hired anybody. And generally when you're or, – or let go. I won't say he was fired. He wasn't re-signed. Brian Cashman doesn't really take his time with doing things. That's not really, quote, the Yankee way. And given that they did this right as the – like Alex Cora was hired – between the series. He wasn't hired during the World Series because Bud Selig and Rob Manfred have always had a policy that they would like very little announced during the World Series. They'd like the World Series to take the World Series control, and the one person that violated that was Ron Scott Boris. Yeah, exactly. And ever since that, it's been very, very hush-hush during the series. And more to the point, I think it's a guy that's actually man, coaching for one of the teams. And you don't hear his name very often, but he's the bench coach for the Dodgers. And that's a former Yankee, Bob Guerin. And I know well, he, you're not he, he big the on ex- the reach for the ex-manager oh, for the A's. The, yep. uh, the A's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so he is a re- the Yankees. He's a retried guy. Yeah, he's a retried guy, but he he was always groomed as 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 a manager, and I think keep your eye on on Bob Garrett. I, I just have a feeling he's going to be one of those guys. One of those. I, I also think retread is a little different when you haven't. When did Garrett? When was the last time Garrett was a head, was a manager? Five years ago, six years ago. Six, was it that five, long? Five six ago? years ago. Yeah. 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 Okay, so it's a little yep. different than a Dusty who kind of you know. And again, I'm just not the world's biggest Dusty Baker fan. Um, you know, the other thing I probably could have thrown out there would be a Willie Randolph. But he doesn't really seem to be on the Yankees' radar. And, you you know, what you he managed the Mets for two and a half years. What were your thoughts on Willie as a manager? Well, wow, that that's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, Willie hasn't been on the radar scene for to be a manager in some time. I, I don't think Willie has a shot at this job. I think if you're looking at a former Yankee, it's Mattingly if, if Jeter clears house, who I think would actually fit very well with the Yankees. And Garen, I think those are the two guys. But again, as you said, I think Cashman is looking very much for a guy that's better with the players. And it might, not, it might be a, a third-base coach from another team rather than a retread, whether that be five years ago, ten years ago, or even just two years ago. No, okay, we got about twenty minutes left. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's all right. We we can move on. Well, I want to move on to the NFL trading deadline because holy smokes, trading deadline! Now let's understand why trades in the NFL are so difficult. Trades in the NFL are so difficult. And I'm going to give you a a very quick lesson on the salary cap. And please, it's going to be numbers-oriented. So I know Seth may get this. He may not. I know most of you will not, so I'll be very quick. Very quick. So what happens with a a baseball contract, a football contract, is if you have a signing bonus of $20 million for five years, that signing bonus is spread out over four, over the five years at $4 million. The length of the contract. If, yeah. 
It's the life of the contract. If you trade that player, the entire signing bonus hits not the receiving team's cap, but the, but the, the trading team's cap right away. So let's take, for instance, Marcellus Darius was just traded from the Bills to, to the Jaguars. He had signed yep. a contract, which I believe was five years. Five years. I believe it was, uh, ninety. let's say, $90 million or $80 million, just for, for argument's sake. And he had $30 million signing bonus. So he had – he was in the last uh, – the second to last year – of that contract. So the, so the hit that the bills took for the signing bonus was only an additional four to $5 million on the cap, which they had. You can't trade these bigger players because of this nuance of the salary cap when it comes to football. So you see the players that you see traded are generally those that are on rookie contracts. Because player-for-player deals, unless they're on rookie contracts or unless they are on the last year of their contract, generally don't work. And, Seth, you know, we talked about this last week in that I said that that a starting quarterback had never been traded midseason and would play for the team that year. I couldn't remember one. We went to Nabate Owls. Nabate couldn't remember one. You couldn't remember one. And, of course, this year, that happens. <laughs> Jimmy Garofalo traded Well, from – Not a starter. He wasn't the starter. He wasn't the starter, but he will be. Yeah. Right? So he will be. But I get your point. He wasn't the starter at the top. Now, the good part for Jimmy is after this week, he's got a bye week. So he's got basically a two-week window. He's not going to play this week, I believe. He's got a two-week window in which to learn the playbook. Ask Matt Ryan how that worked year one. Not very well. But, they, but I give the Niners a lot of credit. So they are taking an eight. Jimmy Garoppolo was traded for a second-round pick from the Niners, which will probably be in the first three picks of the second round. What did the Niners do? The Niners took an eight-week flyer on a guy that may or may not be their guy in the future. If they believe, and they believe he is their guy, then they can sign him to a contract or franchise him. If they don't think he's their guy at the end of eight weeks, if he goes through eight weeks and he just stinks, and they don't think he's their guy, they can do one of two things. They can re-sign him at a much lesser price, because his, his value goes down and his bargaining goes down. Or they can just cut ties with him. Well, they actually have three options. They can franchise him and trade him. Or they can just cut ties with him and use their first-round pick on another quarterback. Or they can go after Kirk Cousins. What they have done is the perfect blueprint to getting a new quarterback. As opposed to Cleveland, which is the opposite of what you would consider a blueprint for getting a quarterback. And I wonder, I, I really do, if they, if New England wanted a second-round pick, would Cleveland not have given this given one up last year to get Garoppolo? Garoppolo? I don't think that was on draft- the table last year, Seth. 
Seth, I don't think that trade was on the table. It must not have been. I don't. Because I cannot imagine Cleveland would have kept a second-round pick and drafted Deshaun Kaiser instead of instead of taking trading for trading it for Jimmy Garoppolo. It doesn't no, I don't think that was on the table. So here's no, what I, I think guess. happened, and and this is getting into the the mind of Bill Belichick, who nobody can get into. But this is my hypothesis on this. Belichick thought he had a winning a winning team this year, uh, a Super Bowl champion team. He he said to himself. I don't have enough if Brady goes down. So I need a guy that can actually play the game, and that's Garoppolo. So I need to keep Garoppolo at least for one more year since I believe I have a Super Bowl winning team. This year, he's had injury after injury after injury. Now, they are still a viable Super Bowl contender. But, look, you and I picked them to go 14-2. and two or 15-1 and one this year. I mean, we thought that they were a monster. But they've had Edelman go down on injury. Hogan's been injured. Hightower went on IR last year, last week. Now they're having a lot of problems at the defensive side of the ball, and they have Malcolm Butler as a free agent after this year. So Belichick had to make a decision. Am I going to franchise Garoppolo at the end of this year? Or am, I going to, or am I going to trade him for whatever I can get right now, the best offer being a second-round pick, which basically is a very, very low first-round pick, right? First it's going to be 32 or 33. And use the franchise on Butler and maybe use this as ammunition to go up and get a quarterback that I really, really like in the draft and groom him for after Brady's done. I can see that happening. There are a lot. You've said it too. This is a quarterback-heavy draft, right? Why can't I just take that second-round pick and use it on another quarterback? It is a really interesting thought process. Um, Thank you. And yeah, I, I look. I like it. I do. And New England, you know, you know who you know who this tra- who who uh, who got hurt the most by this. Uh, Kirk Cousins. By all these trades? No. Kirk our Cousins. fantasy team. You know, I don't our think fantasy our fantasy team. team gets hurt all that much. I don't think it gets hurt all that much. Look, Howie Roseman has said that Blount is the starter for now. We only need him that? for this week. Yeah, I do. For at least one week? Yes. I think it takes a lot to get a guy in on a short week. Remember, it's Tuesday already. I think he plays maybe tw- maybe 15 snaps this week. I think Blunt plays the majority of this week when we need him because because this is the Bell and Brown week that we have that we have a um, a bye week. Do we lose because we lose Hoyer? No, we never anticipated having Hoyer after this week, right? I mean, he wasn't going to start. Sure. We, we win because we are all unless we have a three to four game losing streak. We're making the playoffs, baby. And if we make the playoffs, I'll put my team up against anybody else. All we got to do is make the playoffs. I'll put my team up. I think I don't think we lost as much as you do, and especially since we no, won I don't this think we week lost. I, I was saying it. I, I was saying it jokingly, and we, for all intents and purposes, considering how bad Cousins was, we pretty much lost with two. Uh, yeah, it, 
Thank you, Travis Kelsey. Um, no, seriously. Some, some really, you know, but then you look at Cleveland, and you know, Cleveland has done a lot of weird, silly, stupid things over the years. This may be the dumbest thing I've ever seen in in professional sports. Have you ever seen anything like this? Yeah, it's not the first time that this has happened. It's just the first time that the deadline has gone past. There have been numerous instances where teams forget to call trades in. No, but, but it never was, goes past was, the deadline. They were well, but supposedly they were cel- The reason they forgot was because they were celebrating. Yeah, they were putting down a few beers and thought forgot the only thing that needs to be done. Now, yep. For those of you who may not know, because this is relatively new, um, Cleveland and Cincinnati tr- did the rare intra-division trade. Uh, trade since he trading AJ McCarron to Cleveland. I want to say for a third-round pick. I, I don't know off the top of my head. I could be second, wrong. second and third, second and third. Jeez. So no, Cleveland already. Well, McCarron only has one year left on his contract, I believe. And McCarron, you're going. McCarron is a res, is a restricted free agent, different than Garofalo. So all they would have to do after this year is tender him at a first round level for four million dollars. So they would have had a one year tryout with AJ McCarron for four million dollars. That's a good deal for a second and a third. Yeah, that's not. I agree. That's not bad. Um, and since he would have gotten some some well needed depth, and with and McCarron was not going to beat out Andy Dalton for the position, for the for the starting job. Uh, this trade is this trade is consummated at three fifty five this afternoon. Needed to be finalized by four. Since he called the NFL, Cleveland had a few beers and forgot. Yeah. Oh, good. So Lord. the big time loser is not Cleveland. It's not Cincinnati. They, the two big time losers in this are the. Are the Cleveland fans and AJ McCarron? Because well, or you could he or you could to... say AJ McCarron's a winner because he's not going to Cleveland. No, that's true. Okay, but the big winner, and I never say this, but the big winner is the Bills. They got Kelvin Benjamin. They're going for it, baby. They're five and two. The Patriots are six and two. Uh, sorry. Yeah, the Patriots are six and two five. going into a bye. Am I right on this? Yeah. Or am I am I missing? Okay. They're six and two. So, I don't know if they're going into the bye this week or not. Yeah, they're going into a bye week. They the Bills have a chance to match them in first place by beating the Jets on Thursday night, which I will be betting against the Jets because that's the only way I could ever win when I play a Jets game. <laughs> in in the fact that they just so they basically traded, a, I believe it's a third and a fifth for Kelvin Benjamin, a, who's on a rookie contract. Who's on I a think rookie it was a contract? Third and seventh, actually. Okay, third and seventh. So they have traded Sammy Watkins for Kelvin Benjamin. Basically, that's what they did. As far as I'm concerned, they win. Kelvin Benjamin's a better player. He's more consistent. He stays on the field. He gives them another weapon. And Buffalo's going for it. And Buffalo may have the, the most complete team in the AFC East. And Lord knows you've never heard me say that. 
Okay, we got five minutes to go. I want to point out one more thing, Seth, that I said in the NFL preview. I did say that the Broncos would finish in last place. And after last night's game, they might very well. Okay, last point. I would be remiss if I didn't point out what happened in New York today. And, yeah, it's Halloween, and, yeah, you have loved ones, and, yeah, everybody's dressing up, and it's a good time. But what happened in downtown New York today was not a good time, was not something you look at, was something that you shake your head and you go, here we go again. To, I, I would assume the, vic, the victims' families are not listening to this broadcast. I would assume they're probably not downloading this podcast. I would assume that they don't listen to the Seth and Sean Sports Radio or even know who we are. But with that being said, we do send our condolences out to those families. Because what kind of world – I just shake my head. and Look, Seth and I have discussed this offline. It's every day now. It's every damn day. You shake your head and go, what kind of world do we live in? If you are listening to this podcast later and you're out – trick-or-treating with your kids, as Seth did earlier with Jake the Duck. Give them an extra squeeze tonight and be thankful that they weren't downtown in New York for what happened today. Yeah. Um, not, it's kind of hard to go back to sports after, after you know, the, bringing up the, the incident and, you know, a given, you know, what, what Sean has said. And I don't, yeah, I don't really know how to go back to sports after that one, Sean. I was, I was, I was going to give some dap, I guess, to Joe Thomas, the long, most long-suffering uh, athlete probably in the history of sports, because he has played, he played every game, every play for ten years for the Cleveland Browns. I'm sorry, Dave White, if you're listening. There can be no worse hell been playing for 10 years, every single play for the Cleveland Browns. And then last week he tore his tricep and is out for the year. Um, so, you know, just one of those guys, you know, a first ballot hall of famer without question and hope, you know, hope, hope that he comes back. But again, this kind of pales in comparison to everything we've been discussing. So next week, yep. I believe you will be in what country are you going to still be here? Or are you going to be? No, to I'm here next week. Next week is our college basketball preview. So it'll be a 90 minute show. It's probably Seth's favorite show of the year. And then I will be in Malaysia the following week. So we will touch base next week to Lou who called in very early. We very much appreciate it. We'll take callers next week as we do every week at 760-283-0846. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Seth Jake, and Sean Sports and Jake, Radio. And Jake the Duck. And Jake the Duck. All right. See you later, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.